1: Welcome to Orange and Brew, the podcast where we've married our two favorite pastimes, the Denver Broncos and beer. I am JT Matthews, and you can find me at JT Matthews one on the Twitter. I'm here with the doctor, the official doctor, Nicholas Manning, at NManningPO on Twitter. Got it. And you can also follow us, uh, our podcast, at Brew underscore Orange on the Twitter that's the best way to find us is on Twitter, obviously, because I just named all of our handles. How's it going?
2: It's it's going good, man. Nice Look at that. How
1: I know. I didn't go. even look down at my phone.
2: You boss. That was good.
1: I'm doing I, well. How are you? Good. How's, how's the first uh, official week of being a doctor?
2: You know, I feel smarter. Um, I feel like I can solve so many more problems. Like I walk around, help people, <laughs> you know, people having car issues. All of a sudden, I just know more about Whoa. things. Is that how that works? <laughs> no. It's like it's like
1: you took that pill from that movie, yeah, what's it it's called? Like, <laughs> Limitless. Yep. You just take the pill and you're I like, like six hours you've unlocked genius. 10% more of your brain. <laughs>
2: yeah, which is a lot.
1: That is a lot. Uh-huh. I mean, they say we only use 10%. Exactly, so you're so right. working double at double again, capacity.
2: Like twice as good as everyone else. No, <laughs> I, uh, I immediately had to go and um, go back to work and, and do some things after my, my defense. And then uh, I had to pick up my kids from school and take them to gymnastics. So uh, it feels about the same, but the the weight of the achievement is off. It's nice to not have to wake up at four thirty on a Sunday morning to work on homework. So that's, fair.
1: that's nice. Do you do you at work? Do you feel like you can throw your title now around it's a little bit more and you, be like? It's
2: hard when you earn it. You worked with people for a while. For yeah, them to transition. So I kind of subtly like change signatures <laughs> and like leave it out there. Um, I'll start ramming it down like people's psyches pretty soon. They haven't fired anyone yet. No, not yet. But but what I do, I'll come in with like a stethoscope, <laughs>
1: <laughs> clipboard.
2: Yeah, excuse me. Here's a prescription for you. Got to get it.
1: get the. No,
2: yeah, no. It's been good, man. It's uh, it's pretty cool. It's, uh, so we'll we'll see what else what else comes of it, but it's nice when you get like a you get random people on LinkedIn now since you change your title. Yeah, and you start getting like the the invites and people title it doctor.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah right. that's right. But
2: no, I don't want that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but we can we can connect. But, yeah, right yeah, yeah. I am I am, your, I am equal. your equal. Tell me
2: more about what you're offering in your, <laughs> your your personal system solutions. Well, no, I don't want any.
1: I'll live vicariously through you because yeah. I don't know that I'll ever earn that title. And I mean, uh, you know, never say never, right? But uh, I'm not on the path to get there right now. How about that?
2: Yeah. Remember, I did not start my path until I was what well, was I 31? Yeah. I mean. You yeah, never know. Thanks for young. being optimistic about it. You are you're a it. young
3: man. <laughs> you're more optimistic I'm much more than of I am. A seasoned,
2: gen.
1: A seasoned pro, <laughs> a savvy veteran <laughs> of life. Of life, I like it. Well, do you want to just jump right into what's been kind of a tough week after?
2: Oh, quite do. the
1: loss. I do want to jump in. Let's jump in.
2: Oh my goodness! <laughs> just the the flip flop nature of just people in general. right? Yep. we are we catastrophize everything and everything is either i'm either rocking at a nine or i'm i'm living at a one sometimes you just have to stay at a five mm-hmm. and you know I had, a, I had a boss that would say that all the time i would annoy the crap out of me and i'm like man you get excited about something like it's all right <laughs> but there's also the the perspective about it uh to, to recognize about you know when you are when you enjoy a sports team right they play all of the games yeah ideally right when we watch the nuggets this year they played a lot of games, so getting mad that they lost on Tuesday night of a back-to-back in Utah or whatever, right? Like, you're gonna blow up the entire season because they played pretty poorly or for a week. But no, for the Broncos though, when they lay an egg against a defending Super Bowl champion, it's just it's everyone's garbage. Let's fire it's people. True. Drew Locke is a turd. No one can play football. <laughs> Let's tank the season. Let's lose for ten straight weeks and hope maybe that we get a number one pick to try this whole thing again and,
1: and to to reset with what another quarterback I, that, it, that you never know what's gonna
2: happen. Yep, a whole another quarterback, a whole another process. <laughs> you got coaches, you do all that. I mean, it's just just the drastic nature of how all of it goes. It just it goes and connect to fandom, right? So the reason why the the term fan got created is because it's fanatic, which means crazy. Yep. Which we are. I've been that, right? I have thrown a remote. I have not oh, talked absolutely. to people. I have gotten arguments and maybe some scuffles based on the the way that I have, <laughs> I have viewed the world. But as we've talked about my maturation in life and where I sit now, it just it, it's interesting to watch, especially when you're observing it uh, through something that's kind of personalist, like like uh, Twitter, to just to see how that goes. But I also connect with it quite a bit with. You know, the Denver Broncos, I was born in 1983, right? So, John Elway came in. I lived through John Elway, to Jake Plummer, to Peyton Manning. And uh, this is the worst five-year stretch of football I've ever seen, ever. And so, I get it. Like, we're spoiled pretty much, right? Uh, We we have lived in an era where um, our organization is a top-five NFL organization and has been since most of us were fans. So to watch and kind of see the the cycle of mediocre or less than mediocre football, I, I get why it wears on people. People are just tired. We we believe that we that this team is on a certain echelon in the NFL, and we need, we need to get there. What people forget though is we tried the band aid fixes, right? We had to Joe Flacco's and Case Keenum's and Trevor Simeon's, the guys that you knew weren't long term solutions. We tried those that didn't work. So now you, we called for a rebuild. Right? that was all. We just got to yep. tear it down and do it over. So they did that. We have the youngest offense in football in a year where there's no offseason. Right. And then we are panicking because they're struggling a little bit. But everything would have told you up to this point that this was going to happen, right? Every clue leading up to the season we talked about it on our pod was this offense will look different by the end of the year than it will in the beginning. Of the year. And sure. I truly believe that that's the, the case. And so sometimes when you create a plan you have to see the plan through right so we're gonna you know we're gonna kick start or, or kick off a, a rebuild and then we're gonna no we don't want to do that anymore yeah, we're yeah yeah two-thirds of the way through unless you just scrap this bad boy and start all over again because that will get us winning um yeah the Rockies have tried that and look how frustrated most rocky fans are
1: I want to kind of ask you, I'm going to spring this on you because we didn't talk about this ahead of time. I like it. But I wonder how much you can attribute that to kind of seeing um, the decline of Pat Bolin and kind of you, you talk about the worst five year stretch. I mean, we can go back five years and kind of see mm-hmm. the beginning of that process to, to today and, and how much turmoil there is just mm-hmm. in, in ownership in general with his family. Yep. Um, And of course, this is all speculative. We don't have any direct ties to anyone that knows anything specifically, but I mean, do you think that the people in place may be good football minds, but do you think that someone like John Elway is kind of primed to put everyone in a leadership role that they're supposed to be in from like an interim ownership perspective?
2: I think the question you're asking is really good. I think that you can directly correlate so connect the dots from Pat Bolin's decreased capacity sure. to losing 100. percent Because I think if you look at any org- if you look at any professional organization or company for that matter, right? If you have good leadership at the top, the outfit will perform. Yep, and most likely, right? Unless your product is garbage or you hit a recession, right? Something that's kind of outside your control. And even with that, usually, you know, if you have good leadership, you'll withstand. And sports specifically, you know, show me one winning organization. Show me a bad owner. Right. I don't think that those things would connect.
1: The ne- the Knicks are a great example of uh, a know. horrible ownership and, and the inability to thrive. Hundred percent.
2: I mean it, it exactly. And because if you look at it too, you you look at a team like the Toronto Raptors, right?
1: Yep. Good
2: front office, good ownership group, right? Good connectivity with their with their people. You lose lose a star like Kawhi Leonard, and you still win. Yep. Right? I mean the the Milwaukee Bucks guys that are invested, ownership group that's invested, connected all the way from top down to their to the star player to etc. Right? They're winning with Kyle Korver and Chris Middleton. It was nice player, right? But yeah. I mean, but it's not made up of a bunch of studs. You just see people that are invested in winning and good products. So right, I mean, does that happen? So, you know, to, to get to the John Elway piece, is, right. I think John Elway is an extremely intelligent businessman. I think he knows football. I think he he built the 2015 World Championship team and the greatest offense in the history of sports, right? He gets credit for those things. I think to to deny him of that, say it's Peyton Manning or, I mean, he still had to bring him here, right? And then right. he had to be able to maneuver to get the rest of the guys here to sell um, this organization to do that. But when you don't have or or you don't have anyone to be accountable to, so Joe Ellis and title, sure. sure, but persona, right? Joe Ellis isn't going to be the guy that's going to fire John Elway. So no, do no. I think that that impacts or that lack of accountability for someone to answer to, to your football decisions, right? To go upstairs and talk to the man about why you're not winning, even if you're John Elway, for sure. I think that does because there's just no check and balance. Yeah. And I think the best process is no matter what, are when you have someone that, that you're accountable to, right? If you have a partnership, right? If you have a significant other, you will operate better if you respect their opinion and you have a check and balance, as opposed to if one of you just gets to run roughshod over. It. And I think that, that this organization has done that. I think that hiring a big Fangio was to bring someone that could challenge John L.A. right from a coach's standpoint. Sure. Which is what Gary did when he was here. Yeah. You know, you're my buddy and I appreciate you. And a I'm a damn good coach, and you can tell me what you think, but I'm not playing and Lynch. Right, right I, mean, exactly. you know, I didn't, and he won, and you know, and I think that you you have to have those voices. So I think that that's what's going on. I think that culture is starting to get there, which is the process of the rebuild, right? You have those kind of Mike Munchak is probably another one of those guys, right? Sure. Sorry, John, I'm a Hall of Famer too, right? Like right. And, uh, you wanted me here, and I think that those those kind of uh, presence carry clout, and so I, I definitely think that you can. Attribute that is that the only factor? No, but is it a big one? Absolutely, it's a ruddle of a ship, right? Even if it's if the the current is taking it in a pretty good direction, I mean, it's just because it's a current, right? right? Riding the wave of being the Denver Broncos and not necessarily having someone that's guiding those decisions because of all of the other stuff that's going um, on, riding
1: so. the wave of, of um, past successes. And yeah, yep. I, I mean, they were put in a position even after you know Pat passed. To to be at least moving in the right direction. Yeah, based on all of the decisions he made and all and all of the success that that they had from from top to bottom, I, I pose that because I wonder because I feel Joe Ellis is kind of just in the spot. You know, I, I I don't see him in the public eye. I don't see him making decisions. I don't see him saying things to anyone uh, the way that Pat did or with the same passion that Pat did. And so it makes me wonder, you know, this is a fine placeholder, but but at some point, maybe this they've got to figure that piece out before before there can be a, a huge amount of growth.
2: Oh, I agree. Well, I think that that, that will happen. I, I agree with you. It has to. I think Joe Ellis is playing the part. I think he's aware of the part that he's playing from my perspective. I like that he's not trying to be the owner yeah because he's not that's fair that um, i mean
1: there's some some value to that for sure yeah
2: i mean to me it's just it, you know recognize that there's some other things going on that are bigger than you and i think he's filled in admirably i think that there are some there's some other perspectives maybe in in the denver media that suggests otherwise but i don't that's a invariable position regardless of whatever your stock prices are or all of that stuff they to, to have the scrutiny that you have being in that position Knowing that you're a place warmer, whether you're going to sell the organization or whether uh, you know one of Pat Bowlen's children is going to succeed you, that's not. No matter what, this isn't forever. Right? right, it's not the position that is meant for me, and I and I am aware of that. And I and I think that the the Broncos have been a good organization for them. You know, I mean, Pat was deteriorating before the Super Bowls. Sure. Um, it just you know when when he declined significantly or when that occurred, it was pretty drastic. So I, I think that he has been a significant part of this organization and, and has done so. But for this team to really take off, I think for long-term success, uh, you know, that situation won't have to get ironed out. And it sh- it needs to take as long as it needs to take. Because if there are a drastic move just to figure it out, or you make the wrong move, you put the wrong kid in, in power, or you panic and sell it, um... You know, you've seen like with the Mets right now, right? Like you can't show sure. it. It's getting blocked by the mayor. Yeah, I mean, geez, JLo and A-Rod. Right. <laughs> I mean that itself, right. Talk about a distraction. So to me, that's just, uh, it is, it is a significant enough issue where it will have to get played out and it has to get played out the way it has to get played out. And there's no excuses still. Right. So getting it, getting it back to to where football gets played, guys still get paid. Right. I sure. Do you still on the contract? And, uh, Bradley Chubb still is the number number five overall pick of his draft class the expectations are still there Broncos fans want wins you know don't bring me excuses bring me W's I, I get where that's at people have to recognize kind of where they're at in the process of that but I get that you know when you line up on Sundays I still expect you to play well so you know the way that they played on Sunday was not acceptable but I do think that there was a lot more positives out of that game than they get credit for not enough to make you forget. Getting drugged like that, sure, but, yeah. but definitely enough to be able to say, okay, there's some things that we did well. Yeah, you know, this game doesn't define our season. You know, this one game doesn't make 16. And so now, what do we need to do to to move on to the next game? And I think that's hopefully where everyone's at. It's Thursday. If you haven't moved on, move on. That's a good thing. Yeah, For the love of God. <laughs> Most of the week, you've you know you've you've had more days since then than you have to go to the next game. So
1: move on. Let's talk about. The game then, and get into that a little bit, since we said we were going to mm-hmm. do that, and then I side, sidetracked us. All right. Us. All right. Um, it felt like early on there was a blueprint to winning that game. Mm-hmm. Um, do you, Was there enough of one in your mind that the Broncos had a shot, or do you think that this was just an uphill battle that we were happy we were lucky to kind of be in it at first, and then um, when we got blown out, it was not a big surprise.
2: No, I don't think so. You know, I, and there's a lot of people that are like, well, you know, we expected to, we hope to win. No, I, I expected that they could come out. I, I predicted it when I predicted it. I, I didn't do so necessarily as a homer. I think that they had the necessary ingredients to be able to, to compete because the Raiders did. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's any position group that the Raiders are significantly better than the Denver Broncos at period. You know, at, maybe right now at quarterback play, sure. maybe. And I don't know if I would say significant. I think Derek Carr is playing pretty well, but I don't know that that's necessarily a trade I would make straight up, you know, 10 out of 10 times. So with that, with that blueprint being there, why couldn't the Broncos do it? Right. Um, And I think, you know, to see how they played, right? So the Chiefs come down and score first and we're all like, all right, I like here we go. Yeah, yeah. The Broncos came down, right? But you get a turnover, which usually we're not, you know, we are not on the fortunate end of Kansas City turnovers. We go, we make a play, that play gets gets turned into points.
3: What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers.
2: And and even when you miss an extra point, you're like, hey, you know what? We're, we're playing well. We're in there. To be able to hold that offense in check for as much as they did throughout the day, to be able to run the ball as effectively as you did. No, I don't think so. I, the hard part is, is to say which what-ifs matter the most, right? Sure. If we, if we play better on special teams. We've been saying that for a couple of years now, right? Right. And at some point, Tom McMahon he's written too many checks and they bounce, right mm-hmm. I mean at some point it's just that it's on him right it's three seasons of, of bad play right because um, you can't take that now you can't say what if because that play happened right you get a kick return for a touchdown that's just a got punch. sure. Um, Melvin Gordon is still not holding on to the ball the way that he needs to for this team to be able to to move in a positive direction right or if that pitch is anywhere near drew lock that's a 30 yard gain. right um, you know whether it's a bad play call or not. Or or the timing of it isn't right, or whatever. We want to say the execution would have been there if that ball hits him in the chest. Sure. Um, if those kind of things happen, is a guy pressing to make those kind of throws later? No. And I said that about the New England game. If any of those receivers in the New England game catch those touchdowns, we're not throwing the ball Burn with it. three minutes left, and you're not throwing interceptions. So true. It's all complimentary football, which happens when you have a young team. They don't know how to win those games yet. All right now, you're pressing against the defending Super Bowl champions. That everyone's asked you about them beating you nine times. You know that you have to play great. And then when the wheels start coming off, you try too hard to keep them on yeah. as opposed to just trying to keep riding it, right? Instead of Drew Locke making checkdowns and easy throws, he's trying to take big throws because he's trying to beat the Kansas City Chiefs on every single throw, Yeah, which happens when you're a 23-year-old quarterback and you're trying to beat the defending Super Bowl champions. Can that be the recipe for success moving forward? No. But is it a learning block? Absolutely. I would rather have that learning block against this team than against the Dolphins.
3: Right. It's right, right. a team
2: that like I know we need to be and we, we are better than them, we should beat them, or even the Chargers this week, right? I, I think that the margin for against the Chiefs was minimal. And so it's understandable about why you'd press like that. You can't really overcome that. You can with the with the Chargers or with uh, with the Dolphins. So hopefully they're playing a little bit looser when you play a team like that. So so anyway, I think that's uh, a really important thing to note and there's some good tape on this game for yeah, us absolutely. to listen to, right? Step and drive. When Drew Locke did that on, on his throws, they're on the money. Um, when he drifted or when he didn't anticipate the route, bad things happened. Guys gotta catch the ball, and guys gotta hold on to it. I think if those things happen, it's a much different team. However, those are ifs, they need to become
1: Yeah. yeah. I think we've got to we've gotten to the point for me where I'm still optimistic about Drew Locke, but I feel that he's gotta start putting together at least a string of consistent games if nothing else where and part of that has to do obviously with your position in the game being down early and and often is not helping him it's not helping his case he's having to make tough tough decisions make decide whether he makes you know deep throws or not but i think we've got to see a little more consistency this season for me to to start feeling like okay maybe this this is the guy for the future Um, I want to give him that time because I like him and I think that he has a lot of, uh, he's got the arm, obviously, he's got great arm strength. He has the intangibles you like, you know, it it feels like the locker room believes in him and and so they know a lot more about the game than I do and so I'm I'm still optimistic that that can happen, but I think nine games in or eight or nine games in, I think now you want to see a little more consistency and not that we should start giving on, up on him if the rest of the year sucks. But I think from a fan perspective, you know, if, if you want to quiet the noise a little bit, you've got to, you've got to show up a little bit more. Sure. I don't know. That's just kind of how I feel with it.
2: Well, I think let's, let's just transition to that. Right. So let's ask the question. Is Drew Lock the answer? And I, and I think he is the answer until you have a new one. Sure. Would, what was Cortland Sutton after eight games? True. He was, uh, Okay, third receiver that sure. that got plagued by some drops, right? Which yep, he was that. That was him the entire first season.
1: Maybe similar to to what we're seeing with Judy right now.
2: Yep, and right, and maybe even um, maybe even a little bit more volatile. I would sure say. sure. So if we wrote him off, you don't make that DT trade, give him the opportunity to flourish in year two. We don't have potentially one of the best receivers in football, Okay. And so um, you know, Bradley Chubb didn't have in his first season. He struggled getting sacks, right? And then the the last, I think, nine, the last nine games, he explodes, right? Right. Um, gets most of his 12 and a half sacks. If we gave up on every player at prominent positions at the eight game mark, we'd have nobody. Sure. We wouldn't have Bryce Callahan, who's balling the out, oh, right? Yeah, right? he
1: is. He right? is. Or
2: O.J. Moody, who got torched by Chase Claypool in his first effort, right? Nope, we saw that guy. He's a bust. So to me, I think this goes back to what's the plan? So the plan is to build and provide assets for young quarterback and let them grow. So you're going to pull that out for, for what? At, right. You know, and I, and I said this before, I think this team is going to win more games than I think they're going to trip and fall and land on six games. Sure. I just think that they are, the schedule lines up that way. Brett Ripon showed that he's capable enough of competing. So even if you went to Brett Rippon, I still think they're going to win five or six games with, with the schedule. That's not getting you Trevor Lawrence, right? It's not getting no, Justin no. Fields, and whoever lands at pick one and two isn't going to get those guys up. So then what? Maybe Trey Lance, the guy that uh, is uh, North Dakota State, you know, it has all of the tools. He's maybe. But at North Dakota State. Right. right. And, uh, and, and, How do does that translate? Him? Again, then we're starting all over again. So the guy maybe that can, you know, you're not getting upper echelon talent like that, or you go chase a. Older veteran like Matthew Stafford, or Matt right. like we're going back down Ryan the, Fitzpatrick. The, the Band-Aid road. Yep. And so do I think that, that that could be an option? Sure. I think that that's what you assess in January and February before you go into the draft for 2021 You say, where are we at? Right now, Duloc is the guy. I think it's eight games. The, the critiques are heavy because he played the Super Bowl champions. Yep. And he pressed and he didn't play that well. I think against New England, his numbers were worse than his performance was. I thought he played really well. Uh, The last, you know, last couple of minutes, especially even just more of the last throw, not even the the first pick, but the second pick. That was the one that I wish he would have had back. The other one was miscommunication. You know, I think they they were they were going for a back shoulder throw, which him and Patrick had run quite a bit.
1: And so to me. And and there was a a good play made on the ball.
2: Yeah, I mean, it was it was a really good play. And I I think for me, it's just why make a plan if you're not going to write it out? Which, again, goes to the reaction of the fandom um, and, and wanting to win. And if we're not winning, let's critique the crap out of it um so i get it for sure um, it's
1: it's kind of the culture though of the nfl is if you don't see like even within a you've seen coaches
2: Michael mccarthy's on the hot seat right he's right like he's, seven games in or whatever exactly it
1: is, you know? and he's not he's down deck he's down dalton right. you yeah. know what what do you do what do you expect for that guy to do sure. you know in that and situation that culture, i
2: mean they, they made some really bad moves in off offseason done terry poe and 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 worley right guys are all cut already yeah um Everson Griffin, right? Well, if yeah, he yeah. made some really good moves up top. Those guys probably would still be on the team. Hundred percent, I get it. It's a it's a reactionary league, and I think the fans kind of follow suit. So, I would stick with Drew Locke this year. I would probably stick with him next year. I think in the end, you want to be able to do that. I mean, look at Josh Allen now, right? I think it's the example of a guy that got a little bit of run, uh, an opportunity to be able to succeed, and uh, and is doing so. And that team now is primed to own that division for the next 10 years. And he
1: he's not perfect by any means. He's not
2: perfect, but he's grown into the offense. They they know how to call it for him, right? They continue to mold the offense and build pieces around him. Uh, and so now he's playing really well. I, I think that if that was what the plan was, let's stick to it. Um, but I also say, you know, if let him ride out the season, the plan is to go to next off with him. If there is a better option, a la Peyton Manning when you have Tim Tebow, you're, even though you're riding a playoff run, sure do i think that you always need to explore a better option absolutely Do i think you need to marry Drew luck right now and give him a five-year extension nope right but do i think that you need to shuffle him out for brett ripon or um or jeff driscoll yeah i know what's a better option so i get people being pissed it's the most important position in all of sports yeah i would say it's you know it is one of the most position or most prominent positions in all of the american industries right it's the nfl quarterback if you were to ask any ten-year-old kid, give me five. You know, give me five jobs that you want to do for the rest of your life. I bet that a lot of them would would name that as much as firefighter or anything else. Right? Yeah, doctor. So that, yep, and probably even more. Trust me, I'd rather I'd rather be Drew Locke. Than that, <laughs> um, but I mean, the light shined on that, so I get it. I get the scrutiny, and it should be there. And uh, you know, from all of the the responses that Drew Locke's given, he gets it too. And so I think uh, continue to be a little bit more patient when you have a plan. Stick through the plan. You know, not everything goes. Um, you know, not everything is, not not all the changes linear, right? It's going to go sure, to sure. down and it's going to be a little bit volatile. So let's just, let's see how it plays out. Remember the last time he laid an egg in Kansas City, came back against Detroit, played under control, made all the smart throws, right? It was exactly what this team needed to with a really bad offensive line. And, uh, and it you know, was coined probably his most effective and efficient game, even though the stats uh, weren't all the way there. I would expect him to come out and do the same thing. If he doesn't, strings together two more really bad efforts. I think the critique still needs to be there.
1: Yeah, but I think you make a good point, like what where Where do you want them to go? away, if they go away from Drew lock, where do you want them to go? Do you want to slap a band-aid on it and and try and go get someone and you know waste a potential draft pick to who? get a backup quarterback right. to come in and and take those reps? or do you want to continue to try and develop a guy that has upside? And just to see where that leads you, because it's not going to hurt you any more than it is now.
2: And I mean, are we going to, you know,
1: Jerry Judy isn't
2: he's he's not playing awful, but he's not
1: right.
2: You going to bench Jerry Judy?
1: Yeah. Right. Or or, seven games, man.
2: You're not. You're not it.
1: Or a fan, for that matter.
2: Yeah. I mean, he he's had a little bit of a down season. You're going to sit him down, right? I mean, Bradley Chubb wasn't balling out in the first four games of the season, and the people writing bust on him. And then what happened the last? Three games, right? Or Malik Reed? I mean, geez, man. Yeah. You know, like sometimes people need time to gel. Look at the team last year, right? They finished seven nine. They started zero and four, right? It, maybe this team just has the, you know, it's the same kind of leadership. It's the same, you know, some of the core same guys. Maybe they just need a little bit of run up. So I, I tell them, caution, just slow it down a little bit. Not even at the halfway mark of the season. Yep. Because there is, based on who is up for the schedule, there is a chance that this team is at least five and five. Um, you know, going into the downhill stretch. I mean, the next four games are all winnable. What if they win those, right? And I'm gonna keep receipts from everyone's Twitter account today <laughs> versus in four weeks. You know, if they're six and four, I'm atting you like <laughs> all over the place, people. Like just. Chill out, but I, I I get it. I get I get fandom, but hopefully, uh, people are listening and coming out a little bit.
1: Yeah, let's talk a little bit about. I feel like I say that a lot. I need to switch up my my verbiage. Let's chat <laughs> about the kind of the feeling after the game, not just with the fans, but maybe let's talk about the locker room a little bit and and pressers. Yeah, there was some frustration. I think seeing um, – there. I think Drew Locke did a nice job, kind of owning the stuff that he can own. And this is a tricky thing for me to kind of evaluate because I think on one side of the ball, you have a really young offense and on the other side of the ball, you have some really tenured savvy dudes that don't necessarily have the time to wait to get better, you know, or or they've tasted success and they, they're excited to get back there or ready to get back there. And I think you ha- kind of have to have the mindset that if you're on this team, whether you're on the offense, or the defense that there's gonna it's gonna take some time. Do you did you see the kind of the frustration coming through as a negative, as a positive, or kind of somewhere in between? Because I think that I think that people can see maybe has have perceived it in a negative way sure. that um, they don't trust leadership or that their their frustration with the other side of the ball is is kind of a uh, toxic thing. But I don't necessarily feel that that's the case.
2: Yeah. So, the way that I look at it, and I think we probably are getting, um, I and mean, people are in flashbacks to keep to lead, shove in Norwood, right? And, yeah, uh, yeah, kind of the, the or shouting down Russell Okung, right? There's the like the volatility between that. This team ain't that, right? I, Vic Fangio isn't Vance Joseph, and, right? And for as good a coach as Vance might be, and I, you know, I think he'll get another opportunity at some point to to rebound controlling a volatile locker room is probably not his forte um I think that it's Vicks. you know I sure I not know a lot of guys in that that locker room that probably want to cross bank. you know and him getting into into it with Shelby um I think what it it shows to me two things one that there's guys that care right that losing is unacceptable sure and even not even just losing but losing in a poor fashion I think is unacceptable I think for a, also it shows a locker room that's safe enough for guys to say, Nope, right? Like, nope. I'm a leader. Bradley Chubb, I'm a leader, right? You guys better start balling out, right? Or we're gonna have conversations here, right? Be accountable for that. For a guy to feel empowered enough to be a leader, to me, that's what it shows. Do you want it boiling out to where guys have to get restrained on on the sideline? No, I mean, you wouldn't want that. But NFL sideline is um, not—it's not your office structure. So, so as for as much as I would like it to be, right, is a uh, adrenaline you know, an adrenaline focused environment where combat battle every day, right? Sure. i don't want to get my butt kicked for 60 minutes to get, to lose by 30 points. I mean, who's going to want that? So I, to me, I think it's positive. I want guys that care. I want guys that are going to voice it. And what I really appreciated though, right? So Bradley Chubb lose on the sideline. Shelby lose on the sideline. They come back and say, hey, you know what? We talked about it. We hash it out. Like, I'm good. Right. I, we want to win. Yeah. And then for Bradley Chubb to say, and I believe in Drew, Drew's got it. He's going to turn around. I'm not worried about it. Because I think what happens or what you could see from a device locker room is, yeah, you know what? that you know, we're defense playing real well. well. what do you think about the offense? Defense is playing pretty well. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And you get that kind of standoff, I'm not going to answer it, but I'm answering it. Right, right. right. Nope. Bradley Chubb isn't saying that, right? Uh AJ Bouye is not saying. I mean, the guys are coming out and saying, you know, that's my dude. Like I, I I got faith in it. The offense played a bad game, but they're going to come back. Okay? Right? Because that I think that those, those pieces are extremely important. I know that the defense is frustrated. Um, I don't know that it necessarily just goes to tenure, but I think it's, um, you know, anytime that you're playing well and someone's not holding up their end of the bargain, you should be frustrated. Right. And especially in a professional sport where you are getting paid right for production and we can't win without each, each of us producing, you should be upset. And if you're not upset, you know, you're the jets,
1: right? right. The
2: cowboys right now. Right. You check out my quarterback gets smashed in the dome.
1: Yeah, or you care. just start yeah. selling people off, right? For sure,
2: yep. I mean, you, you get that. I'd rather have guys fighting on the sideline than guys that don't care, um, you know, and where losing becomes okay because I get a check and I, I made it a healthy. So, you know, if you're seeing that again in week 10, week 12, week 13, right, it becomes a constant. I would be worried, one, because it just shows frustration pulling over that this team still isn't competing to the level that they should. Right. Um, but, you know, one and done, uh, we all get in arguments. You know, I, I don't think anything happened out of line that would that would make me concerned, right? I mean, fists weren't thrown, and, and but people got frustrated. So, in the end, I, I like it. I think that there needs to be some fire, and uh, I would be shocked if uh, if on Sunday, like I'm, I'm guessing this week, they're probably coaching much harder, right? I'm guessing it's a, I'm guessing that people are getting some some reps off or you know I, I assume that it's a little bit more of a let's tighten the f up sure um and i bet that guys are going to play with a little bit more aggression on sunday uh, and probably a little bit more focus and that's the way it should be right a, a good opportunity to bounce
3: back what if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation where it's not about mission statements but a shared mission at U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers.
0: This episode is made possible by PWC. A robot may not be coming for your job, but competitors are coming for your market share. At PwC, we pair the right tech with the right solutions to help you gain a competitive edge. Reimagine operations from the cloud, fuel innovation with responsible AI, and detect risks before they become headlines. That's human-led and tech-powered. It's all part of The New Equation. Learn more at thenewequation.com.
1: Let's transition into that then. Let's take our first break. And then we will get into Sunday's game against the San Diego. Oh, my gosh. The L.A. Chargers. (laughs) Um, So we'll catch you on the other side. segment two back from segment one into segment two uh and we're gonna jump right into the broncos versus chargers at home and first thing i want to ask you is about anthony lynn and the job you feel he's doing as the coach there i've been impressed by him just as a coach in general some of you know just coming from a he was a bronco at one point i don't know if people are very aware of that he was um but I, I feel like he's been a really good role model. I think he's been a really good coach. He's one of those guys that appears to me to be really level-headed and calculating, yeah. and, and intelligent. What, what's your take on him as the head coach of the LA Chargers?
2: You know, I think what I've appreciated about Anthony Lynn is um, his steadiness. I think you, you know, he has consistency, his message from all of the, the words from – from out of that camp. He's a joy to play with, but I think and the way that I want to phrase it is, it's not like the guy it easy, right? It's not like a player's coach that, you know, just show up to work and do your job and sure. leave you unchecked. You know, I think he's hard on guys when he needs to be, but I think he's extremely relatable, which grown men expect. Right? I'm going to talk to you like a grown man, respond like a grown man, and uh, and we'll be able to, to work together. And then, you know, for as much as Herbert probably should have played from week one. The lack of willingness to commit to him after what happened to Tyrod Taylor, to me that goes a ton, right? Like you know, Tyrod got done dirty.
1: Oh, um, absolutely. And, uh, yeah, and, again, and, right? and to
2: and to not throw your guy <laughs> under the bus who um, who you brought in, who who has been there, who has rolled with you through um you know through some tough couple seasons, the last few seasons with uh you know with uh, Rivers at the helm to not directly drive over him when, when something happened out of his, uh you know, that was out of his hands, I think just goes to show the character. And to me, you know, I'll, I'll play all day for a guy with character uh, much more than anything else. And especially as a head coach, you're not X is an O guy, right? You're a CEO of a unit. And so I, I dig Anthony Lynn. I think uh, he's a tremendous hire. I think that he covers up a ton of warts that they have over in LA. I mean, it's a, it's not the greatest ran organization with the most assets. And sure. I think that he, he provides some um, um, really calm direction. Kind of reminds me of Ron Rivera a little bit, right? Like just a, a guy who played the game that gets it, that relates to players. That's direct. Um, that knows how to win. You know, is he a guy that's going to get you a Super Bowl? I, I don't know. I don't know if he, if he has that, that innovation there to be able to, to do something maybe that other guys aren't, but he sure as heck is going to keep you, uh, keep you on the right track. So man, I am an Anthony a fan. Uh, I really like that hire. Sucks that we got to play him every year and and compete with him in division, but um, good for him. You know, the the Chargers got a good one.
1: And for those of you who didn't watch Hard Knocks, I think I gained a lot of respect for him just kind of as not, I don't want to say as a man, but kind of uh, uh, the way he handled social issues in that time. um, And that's a really difficult thing to manage for anyone. I was really impressed by that because as you know, in a locker room, you're going to have, all sorts of opinions hmm. about everything, whether that's social issues, pol- political or religious, whatever. Um, but he was able to galvanize them in, in a positive way and, and kind of bring them together in a th- way that probably has lasted into the, into the season where, where now that they're, they're feeling a little bit better, they've got um, kind of this, this unity or this brotherhood that they're, they're feeling even probably stronger than, um, a lot of other teams are because of the way they came together, and, and I'm just obviously speculating based on what I saw. Not, not all the other teams were covered by
0: sure.
1: uh, by, by HBO, but uh, I was impressed by that, and I think that qualities like that make good coaches into great coaches. I agree. Um, yeah. Let's talk a little bit about Justin Herbert. Impressions of him early on, I think he has come out and kind of proved me wrong for sure. I wasn't someone that was high on him when he was drafted, just based on on my horrible opinions uh, of watching him in college and probably part of it not liking Oregon. But uh, what what's your take on his gameplay so far? What did we miss in his initial evaluation that made him so good or that makes him so good?
2: I think he's trash, bro. Oh, um, no. I... Uh... <laughs> I think what we probably did, you know, and I, and I think some of it is when you, is we discounted Oregon's offense, right? You, you, it's a lot of bubble screens and stuff, right? His completion percentage is inflated by the easy throws that he gets based on one um, read looks. And so by the NFL getting burned by guys like Paxton Lynch and, right, like those kind of guys that come in that can't really see the field, that don't really adapt to the game. You start punishing guys for playing in systems like that, which Justin Herbert did. Sure. So I think he gets discounted that way. I would remind people that he still was the number six overall pick. He probably would have been at least a top 10 pick if the Chargers didn't take him anyway. So I don't know that he was discounted. I think that the Broncos you know, fandom, that all of Broncos country, we we discounted him because of the connection to John Elway and, right, missed opportunity. Right, whatever. right. Well, we don't want him to be good because we don't have him. Um I wasn't necessarily fan more for the leadership style. I didn't really see that. I, and and to me, I think it's much more of the presentability of leadership and quiet leaders in that position can do. Okay. But rarely are you going to lead organizations to dominance when you, um, when you can't be in the front of the the limelight necessarily. So right. I didn't really see that. Um, and I want to remind people it's still a four game sample size, right? There have been quarterbacks that have played really well for four games, Jameis Winston. And, uh, <laughs> And fell back to earth, right? I think what happens is the it usually takes the NFL about four to six games to get some tape on you, right? To start finding sure. what you don't do well. Once someone can find it and uh, cracks that code, then everyone repeats it. And then the the biggest question for Justin Herbert will be, how do you rebound, right? How do you counterpunch? Which is happening to Drew Locke right now, right? People are taking away the things he did really well right. at the end of last season, and they're duplicating it. And so now he has to counterpunch. Justin Herbert has to counterpunch um so that will be when I'll, I'll kind of give him or crown him or um anoint him as kind of the next great qb for a long time um again this goes to like the the instant society where we got to like microwave everything now he's going to be great play yeah. great games um you know that's what everyone said about cam newton and now everyone captures cam now right like true that the world turns pretty quick and so my my feeling is uh, he's played really well. He's played better than I would have thought, considering to the circumstances with no off season. You didn't even know you're starting, right? Right? A guy that's mentoring you um, goes out with a significant traumatic injury and you're in your throat, and he's balled out. He, he's played really well. I, I think his physical tools have matched up. His arm talent was never the question. I think it was really is how quick can he adapt to an NFL offense. But I think what people failed to realize is how quick can the Chargers adapt their offense to him, which right. I think is what ha- what's happened. He has some really good pieces outside. You know, Mike Williams and um, and Keenan Allen that they can play like those guys are, are really good. Austin Eckler is a really good back out of the backfield, so he has weapons. And so, um, can he continue to to overcome some of the the Charger and right. losing games, maybe that they shouldn't or that they have opportunities that one hasn't really subsided yet with the two and four record. Uh, so we'll see. So my my early impressions are he's played better than I would have anticipated, um, but I'm not I'm not necessarily sold. Yeah, on him being the next great thing. He might be really good. Sure, he might be Derek Carr, right? And uh, might be he might a pretty be, good quarterback. He might be Phillip Rivers. Right? Could be Phillip Rivers, where <laughs> you know, he's with the team for 15 years and they win three playoff games. Right. I mean, maybe. Um, it, but I, I would say that uh, he definitely has been impressed. He's been fun to watch if you remove his uniform, right? And uh, yeah. who you rooting for, it's been pretty cool to see him. And you know, I root for a guy too that gets crapped on by as many people as uh as he did about Justin Herbert. Probably will won't make it. And yeah, he's Paxton Lynch, or he's uh, Josh Allen two point which is interesting because now Josh Allen's balling out. Right, um, right. That maybe the NFL is realizing that stop, stop trying to fit a guy into your offense, fit around his tools, aka Drew Locke, and uh, do what he likes and do it as much as possible.
1: Yeah, I, I, again, I don't want to sound like I'm completely sold on Herbert, but I have been impressed just by his gameplay thus mm-hmm. far, his his accuracy in, in general. I think he's. He's made mistakes, obviously, but I think he's he's kind of minimized those. But he does have quite a good receiving core around him. Sure. Um, even with Eckler out, you know Kelly and Jackson are are both serviceable backs. But his
2: offensive line isn't very good, so it's still nice to see him be able true. to have the ball placement that he's done. And um, you know, and he hasn't always stepped in his throws. His platforms have been uh, wonky or off, and his arm talent is for sure on display. And I, I think, like, you have to give him credit; he's played well.
1: Yeah. Let's get into game plan. So if you are the Broncos, how do you attack Justin Herbert and this offense? Uh Keenan Allen's a big, someone that you would definitely want to key in on uh, Mike Williams, you know, the running game, kind of the two headed monster that they have right now with Kelly and Jackson. Where, where do you, where do you think the Broncos should, should pour their focus?
2: I think that you use the game plan that you had last week for Patrick Mahomes and you do it twice. Okay. Right? I, because he's I think Justin Herbert is mobile right I think he can he can make plays with his legs he's a big dude um, who can uh, who can make all of the throws all over the place and the way that they defended Patrick Mahomes last week to me is a pretty similar recipe for the type of quarterback that he is. I do it again yeah. uh, and they you know they found some really good success in bringing pressure. And disguising it in the back end. So for as good as Herbert has played, he's only played in four games. Right. He hasn't seen everything, and he definitely hasn't seen Vic Fangio's defense yet. So I would I would present the same challenges I did to if it worked against Patrick Mahomes, uh, I would ride that. Until I would just based on their skill set, I think it's the same. You know, uh, the Chargers have athletic running backs who can catch ball in the backfield and uh, and present a challenge in the run game. The Chiefs have athletic running backs who. can – Right? Yeah. And uh, really good receivers Chiefs have really good receivers So to me, I, I would duplicate that um, That game plan or something pretty similar um, Bring pressure to where he can see it Right. Uh, keep your rush lanes And guys should clean up Right. Confuse the offensive line, which is definitely um, Not not an area of that team That I would say is a strength And so uh, that's the way that I would attack it And I think if they do that um, I don't think he's going to throw for 300 yards And four touchdowns and get 40 fantasy points
1: yeah, yeah. Did he kill you in fantasy one week? You sound a little bitter. No, he
2: hasn't. Have yet to play Herbert. Um, <laughs> but uh, he had some good numbers, though. He is. Um, yes, he has. He has. He has. He has played well.
1: Yeah. So, as far as as blitzing, do you think that's something we should do early and often? Um, it sounds like you're saying you yeah. you want him to see, kind of see those guys coming, uh, not necessarily like for reads, but kind of. In his face as opposed to trying to sneak a corner off, the, off yep. the edge to blitz.
2: Yeah, to me, I think you bring pressure for a few different reasons. One is to get there, right? To, to get the sack because you need a negative play. The other way is to bring pressure to force a throw, which I think is much more of Fangio's style, right? Is to make someone get rid of the ball before they want to. Hopefully you're more confusing on the back end so you get a turnover. That's the way that I would approach it. I think that's the way the Vicks approached it. And it's worked, and it's worked it interestingly enough to bring pressure where you confuse the offensive lineman. You get Bradley Chubb running (laughs) running around the free. free. I would assume that that would happen. You have a really good blitzer, actually two pretty good blitzers in your inside linebackers in Josie Jewell and Alexander Johnson. And so maybe you bring them home, but, you know, it it is really hard to play quarterback with a linebacker that you see coming, right, 6'3", 240, 250 pounds it's hard to miss that. Just within your eyesight, the way that you're looking, no matter how far you scan, my, my peripherals are there. I'm still going to see it. I don't care if I'm 6'1 or 6'6. Six, six.
1: Yeah.
2: And especially if you can feel it a little bit, right? It doesn't let you step up or, um, or you see a little bit of a flash where you think you might be able to get through the B gap or something like that. To me, that forces the quarterback to process faster. I got to get rid of the ball faster. As you saw with Drew Locke, right? if, if I have to think more, right? if I hesitate on getting the ball out, when I think that it should. The ball's not going to get there, right? You, you have a pick six from Sorensen. Yeah. I think that those kind of things can happen to to Justin Herbert. Just because they haven't happened yet doesn't mean that they can't. Um, so that would be that would be my recipe for it. And I would say keep doing keep doing those things until someone proves that uh that that you shouldn't. And if it wasn't Patrick Mahomes, for as good as Justin Herbert's gonna be, um, or that he is right now, if it worked for the king, right? Like why why not try to do?
1: Quick overview of what to do on offense because we're sure. running short on time a little bit. Yep. What would you do to attack them with our, on our offensive our of Interestingly
2: enough, the game plan that you had last week, I would do it again. Do it again. So they are susceptible to the run game. They can't cover the backs of the backfield. I would have a heavy, heavy dose of hopefully Phil Lindsay if he can get cleared this week. Melvin Gordon, I bet he's going to be hungry. He's yeah. play really well. Hold on the ball, man. If you hold on the ball. Some pretty good stuff is going to happen. For um, for as much as we have not been fans of uh, of Royce Freeman on the show, he has he's played well enough right, yeah. to be able to contribute. serviceable mm-hmm. and uh, and I think your tight ends pose a challenge for them in the middle of their defense, which without Darwin James, um, they are susceptible. I think you know Kenneth Murray is a really young linebacker who is fast, but his recognition is pretty minimal. I would really take advantage of of the middle of the field because outside they're pretty solid. Um, that would be what I would do, which I think was quite a bit of the the game plan. If they hit some of the shallow crosses like they did last week, I think uh, I think they'll be able to move the ball. So I would I would see a heavy dose of their running backs often. So uh, you know, Phil's able to play. I bet Phil gets the ball a lot. And uh, yeah, I would keep doing that. I would keep do. I would go to the well until the well is dry, and I would dig a little bit more, and then I would go back to that well. Um, and especially when you utilize that, you can use play action off of it. Uh, hopefully Noah Fant and Albert O uh, are able to contribute um, over the middle of the field, and I think if they can do that, they're going to as a recipe for success. For as good on paper as the the Chargers could have or should be, they haven't really been. Uh, you know, and I talked about this like earlier in the season. For as good as that defensive line is, I know you were a Joey Bosa guy. You're a Bosa, a Bosa bro for right? <laughs> but, um That um, defensive line, you know, pass rushing is not an issue, right? If they can um, pin their ears back, they're going to come get you stop stopping the run right like getting in there i mean those guys just you know him and melvin ingram they're not 290 pound defensive linemen right those are guys that you can control at the line of scrimmage not all of the time but enough and uh, you know they don't necessarily have the playmakers inside right now to be able to uh to kind of push the the offensive line or push the offensive line off the ball to be able to kind of fill those run gaps so at uh, run often you know um running back screens swing passes Uh, shallow crosses, I'd really just dink and dunk all the way down the field until you can uh, use play action to take a shot.
1: Death by a thousand cuts.
2: I would. I mean, I really would, especially if Justin Herbert and the offense are playing really well. I would utilize the same, pretty much the same damn game plan as I would last week. Don't run the flea flicker
1: and
2: (laughs) and, um, and kick the ball out of bounds.
1: Right. Yeah. No, I agree with that. Uh, I think that that's pretty solid. Uh, and hopefully with Phil back, he was, he was super productive last week. Oh if gosh, we can get yeah. him back, then um, that sets us up for success for sure. Yeah. Let's talk X-Factors. Uh, I want you to go first. Let's start with the Chargers. Who do you think their X-Factor is going into this game, either, either side of the ball?
0: This episode is made possible by PwC. A robot may not be coming for your job, but competitors are coming for your market share. At PwC, we pair the right tech with the right solutions to help you gain a competitive edge. Reimagine operations from the cloud, fuel innovation with responsible AI, and detect risks before they become headlines. That's human-led and tech-powered. It's all part of The New Equation. Learn more at thenewequation.com. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win?
2: To me, I think he is the he is the difference maker of the offense, right? And really of the team. Um, their defense has really not been able to stop everybody, even the Jaguars with um, with Gardner Minshew and a broken hand. Yeah, put up almost thirty points. Right, right. and it's like it's pretty crazy to be able to see kind of how that's unfolded. So if it wasn't for their offense putting up a ton of points in the in those games, they're probably not even you know they're not even competitive. Um, so I think to me that's one that I think is pretty low hanging for um I know Chris Harris is gonna gonna want to play a really good game if, yep. if he's healthy and uh, but I don't necessarily know if that's a guy that I'm worried about as an X Factor. Sure. I think he's a good player, but uh, he left for for a reason. If they thought he was more than X Factor, they would have kept him. So I think the way that Justin Herbert's balling out, I feel like if they stop him and they if they get a Patrick Mahomes game from him last week, I don't think the Chargers are as good on, on in the other phases as uh, as the Chiefs were. I'd say that we, our chances to win are pretty good.
1: I like that; it makes sense, especially with a young quarterback. To to kind of they've they've got their wagon hitched to right now. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go opposite side of the ball, and I'm going to go Murray. I'm going to go Kenneth Murray. Um, and it's kind of it's not. Here, here's my thing: is I don't have a whole lot of, I don't fear Kenneth Murray the same way I would fear Justin Herbert to change the game. But my feeling is that if he plays well, then that'll make our game much tougher. If he's able to get pressure on lock, which is something that he he kind of specialized in doing coming out of college out of out of Oklahoma, um, that could be problematic. And then even if he's able to cover for short stints, you know, just enough time to get lock dysregulated, uh, trying to make multiple reads. If he can do that, I think that he'll dis- he, he has the potential to disrupt our offense enough to be an X factor.
2: Yeah. I think that's a good point. I think if he does play well, that kind of throws off the entire um, game plan, right. To be able to kind of attack the middle of the field. If he plays well, the Broncos would be in trouble. for sure.
1: Let's go Broncos side of the ball. X factor. Want me to go? Well, go ahead. Okay. I'm going to say Melvin Gordon. I'm saying bounce back game. A, you know, after a pretty poor showing last week, I think that he's got something to prove to us, to Broncos country in general, um, and to to his team. Sure, You know, and, and this is coming against his former team. You know, I've seen over the years how many guys switch teams and the hardest they play, uh, you, Yusuf Nurkic, for example, against the Nuggets every time, every time right? he scores 20 plus points. <laughs> uh and so I, I think guys tend to put on their best uh, games when they're going against their former team for whatever reason that is it, whether it's sour grapes or, or just saying, Hey, look what you missed out okay. on. I, I think that we could see quite a bounce back from Gordon and I'm, I'm hoping that we do and, and going with your game plan. I think it fits what they want to do potentially.
2: I think that's a really good one. I, I think defensively I'll pick one. I will pick two. Okay. Um, <laughs> Mine's going to be Justin Simmons. I, I think for, you know, a lot of the throws that I saw Herbert make were in the middle of the field. Um, they weren't necessarily hash throws, not that he can't make them. Sure. Um, but a lot of big plays over the middle and over the top. And I think if Justin Simmons is able to to, to be where he's supposed to be and divert some of those throws, um, and maybe it caused him to be a little bit late. Uh, maybe you can make a big play. You know, ball gets tipped up. I think if Justin Simmons can be impactful, not only in the run game, but definitely kind of in the middle of the field and patrolling it in that fashion. I think it's going to limit what Justin Herbert's going to want to do. And so, to me, that's going to be my, my X factor. I think if Jay Sim can – that's what I call him, because we're tight can, – uh, can play well, I think that that's really going to limit what uh, what that offense likes to do.
1: I like it. Predictions. Final, se- final part of the segment. Yeah. Who you got?
2: Well, I'm going to go with uh, – with the Nuggets over the Blazers. I think it's just a better team. I know that Nurkic wants to come out and ball it, but uh, I don't no, know. Dang, it could be Dame time. <laughs> it could be damn time. He beats everyone, but the but the Nuggets. Anyway, <laughs> I uh, I I think the Broncos are going to win. I think it's going to be twenty three twenty. I think mean, they're going to exercise some demons. I think it's going to get tight late uh, because that's how we win games in Denver. Um, but I think they're going to play well. I think Drew Locke is going to have a modest but effective game. I don't think that uh, Brandon McManus is going to miss any more kicks this week. I hope and, not. Uh, and I feel like the special teams unit to play for their coach's job will not give up a touchdown.
1: That, I mean, that's assuming they don't. They they want to keep his job.
2: I feel like they also want to keep their job. That's fair. <laughs> that's so, fair. Uh, you know, I haven't ever heard anything rough about Tommy. I haven't heard anyone not want to play for Tommy, man. Or not sure, like Tommy sure. Man. I think... Uh, Guys just get loose, man. You know, and uh, guys want to go make plays and big sticks on uh, on kickoffs and and punt coverage. And when you are young and you want to do that, I mean, that league is unforgiving. Those guys are too fast. And, you know, you make one false step, they're gonna make you pay. So hopefully, they'll learn from that. That probably got drilled, especially because those are a lot of guys that are on non guaranteed contracts. Right. And, and uh, you don't want to put too much of that on tape. Or, um, you know, if your your meal ticket's going to be to play on special teams, you better play on special teams. So I, I think they're going to come back, and I think they're going to get a win. Um, I think it's going to be a lower scoring game than than uh, than San Diego is used to. It's going to put a little bit of a grind to him, so I think it's going to be 23 twenty-three
1: twenty. I like
2: it. I miss David Bruton. Yeah. Me too. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Speaking of special yeah, teams, I mean
2: that was it. That, yeah, those were solid units, right?
1: I'm going with a win. Going with the Broncos That's win. Enough. I know. I am taking my glass half full this time. I think it goes to overtime, and I think the Broncos come out and score a touchdown. So I'm saying 26 to 20. Oh, all right. In overtime. I, like I think it's going to be a tight game. I, I think the Broncos have the ability to keep it tight. Um, yeah, if they
2: went to overtime watching, you're like so Yeah, you're just <laughs> managed, but it's not as good as... I dig it, though. Hey, man, you know, I'd rather have them walk, win on a walk-off touchdown than, uh, than nail-biting it then. I mean, that, either way, that's going to be rough. But, hey, if they walk out, win. I can't. I couldn't wait. I, I want them to win. And even just like tight like that. Yeah. Like now to like a blowout where everyone's like, okay, never mind. The team's really good again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where they win real tight. Maybe it's like kind of ugly, but they find a way to win. I just want to see what the narrative is again. Yeah, exactly. Great. I think that I is perfect. Win. Yeah, but it's, uh, it's enough to spark some hope, but not conviction, and just watch how uncomfortable it makes everyone. <laughs> I can't wait.
1: Start atting people.
2: Well, you know who you are. I'm atting you.
1: <laughs> well, Let's get into our next segment then. After this break, we will do our beers and bets. Let's do it. We're in our brews and bets segment. We are going to start with our bets this time. We're going to go in reverse order because I haven't grabbed the beer yet. I just realized. So we are going into our bets. Um, we have a few more weeks for the Sutton Jersey giveaway. So if you are interested, um, make sure that you either send us a message at brew underscore orange with Team Orange, which is the doctor's team, or Team Blue, oh. my team. And uh, our players of the week Which we'll give down at the end of our picks Yep Do you want to start with your five? Uh, I am,
2: I'm going to start So Patrick Mahomes, been a little human lately The over-under on on our uh, thrivefantasy.com I think that the the line set at 300 and a half I think he's going to go over for passing yards So I'm going to take the over, it's the Jets The Jets are awful um, I think that he's kind of ride the pine long enough sure. lately that uh, Anna Reed's going to want to flash his big boy toy.
1: Well, you don't want Chad Henney to just go off? Oh my
2: gosh. Is there anything <laughs> worse than Chad Hetty dancing in the end? Oh my gosh.
1: Uh, One of my least favorite. I would ever. not
2: want to wish injuries on anyone ever, but <laughs> if you pop an ACL, I'm really. Gonna...
1: Like, yeah, it's all right. Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. All right. Digression. Uh, James Conner, 72 and a half yards rushing against the Baltimore defense. I'm going to go. Over actually, okay. I wanted to go under. I thought that that would actually probably be much more likely. But uh, Baltimore's defense lately has been a little bit suspect. I think they're going to have the lead early. I think they're going to try and salt it away. Not necessarily that Pittsburgh's going to win, but I think they're going to have the lead early because they're playing really well. Yeah, um, I'm going to go under 57 and a half receiving yards for Mark Andrews. Even though they're really susceptible, the Ravens are susceptible against tight ends. I think they're going to focus on him because really, he, right now, he's the key playmaker in the passing game. Uh, so I think Lamar Jackson's going to have to go elsewhere to get his. Uh, to get his spots. DeMonte Adams, six and a half total receptions. I'm going to go over with that guy forever.
1: Man. Oh my gosh. He a, Last he week he just a, annihilated. He almost as good up. as Lockett.
2: It was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh my goodness, man. Don't get me started. 55 fantasy points yeah. for me. Just <laughs> want to point that out. That was <laughs> ridiculous. You won. You I, win, win. I, I won. I won. Uh, and then Phillip Rivers 22 and a half completions against Detroit. Detroit's playing pretty well, actually. Um, and Phillip Rivers is one of my least favorite quarterbacks in the history of the league. <laughs> Not only does he spell his name without two L's, um, but he played for the Chargers for a long time. So I'm actually going to go under for no strategic value whatsoever, other than I don't think he's going to play well. I think he's going to go up there. Um, I think Detroit's playing pretty well and cause him some issues. And I think that that defense is going to come out and uh, play pretty well.
1: Good to pick a, a quarterback to run your team for. The next, not, I mean, assuming it's Rivers more 10 years ago,
2: mm-hmm.
1: Matt Stafford or Philip Rivers? Matt Stafford. Okay. Thank you.
2: I think Matt Stafford got fined. I think if yeah. he wasn't with that organization. Um, not only is a good do with quality leadership skills, fantastic talent. Uh, he just, that's, it's, it's Sam Darnold, right? Like who yep. knows what that guy could have ever been. Yep, and, uh,
1: we'll never know. You probably never will know
2: because he's just—it's David Carr. Just he got room. He could have been the greatest quarterback in the history of the league. Play where you go matters. Never actually, know, never, never know. know.
1: Do you want to go grab the beer while I do? I do. Go grab the beer and and a glass at least. <laughs> and I'll do mine. So him. I got. Uh, I'm going to go over for Joe, Joe Burrow at one and a half t- passing touchdowns. I think that that's been kind of a guarantee. And Tennessee's defense is not. Very scary to me as far as in the passing game. I feel like they've at least allowed a lot of yardage. Um, and I think two two touchdowns is definitely within the purview. Ryan Tannehill. I'm going to go under half an interception. Again, this is more based on Cincinnati's defense. I don't know that they have a lot of ball, ball-hawking guys in the secondary. Maybe with... You know, a deflection or something like that—that that could always happen. But I'm going go to go under, say, no, no picks for Tannehill. Josh Jacobs, I'm going to go over uh, 0.5 pat uh, rushing touchdowns. Josh Jacobs is as much as I don't want to admit it—he's a very good back, and I think I could see that happening against Cleveland, who is pretty good up front, but you know they're not impervious. Let's do Jarvis Landry over half a touchdown they're playing the Raiders and with Aldo Beckham out for the season I think it's a good good chance that he gets um, into the end zone and then I think that was four yep and then Josh Allen I'm gonna go eh, under 302.5 rushing and passing yards just because the Patriots defense as bad as they played last week they're still a pretty pretty stingy unit in general
2: yeah, it's hard to it's hard to play good when your offense was so bad
1: all right let's jump straight into our beer of the week our beer of the week is from equilibrium brewery so yeah so we have a beer today from equilibrium equilibrium brewery see see what they did there you know mm-hmm. how you drink your equilibrium gets a little yeah. off mm-hmm.
2: very clever tr-
1: very clever I like it um and they are in middleton new york yeah i've been doing some beer training with a, a, a friend up there and this is what he sent me today uh well not today the other day this is called linear phase so linear phase is a double india pale ale double ipa which means it's got some good uh, abv which means a few of those and you'll be feeling really good 8.5 percent uh again brewed in Middleton Middletown New York, not Middleton. And it looks pretty delicious. Uh so let's give this guy a shot. You ready? Let's do it. For the crack. Oh, oh a good husband. one. It's a pint. Yeah, a pint. They come in pints. They come in pints. <laughs> Some Lord of the Rings yeah, reference yeah. for you. How much do you want? You want more? Yeah. You want all of it?
2: No, uh,
1: that's good. Okay. Well, from, from the look of it, I can say it's a little hazy. Yeah, it is. It's not super clear, which is for double IPA, it's pretty common to have some some haze. It does smell very hoppy. Yeah, it does. You ready to to try this bad boy? Let's do it. Cheers. Oh, mm. that was interesting. Yeah. I was kind of surprised by that. There's like an initial sweetness yeah, that cool. I was like, I was expecting to be hit real, real quick with bitter. Yeah, no. I wonder what that's from. I wonder if it's the strain of hops, but it doesn't really say... On the can at all, what hops that they use. Maybe I can find it on the website there. Yeah. Um,
2: I, I like it, man. It's, yeah. like, it's a little different. It's, yeah, like you said, it, it definitely is a little surprising.
1: Yeah, there's there's that weird sweetness on the front, which I was, it was kind of caught me off guard, but mm-hmm. I like it. Yeah. And it doesn't taste like usually with high ABV beers, you can kind of taste yeah. the, the alcohol content. Yeah. This one, you can't really, you can it tastes kind it of. In a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I think it's there maybe on the back end a little yeah, bit. Yeah,
2: back end after you take a couple you're like, there, there it is, but definitely it doesn't, uh, it doesn't, there's no like punch to the face. Yeah. Like, Oh, and then like, where you got to power through the beer. It's mm-hmm. definitely not that feel.
1: No. Like, and I sneak up on you like There's some good, there's some good bitterness, but it's yeah. not like overwhelming. No,
2: overly, yep.
1: I think that this, I don't know. I, I'd give it I'm a w. w. Yeah. Double W is here. Yeah. So, if you're ever in New York, Middletown, New York.
2: Middletown, not Middleton.
1: Middletown, not Middleton, exactly. Check out Equilibrium. I have not had any other beers from there, so Mm -hmm. I can't say whether their whole selection is good, but based on this one, I'd give it a shot for sure.
2: Yeah, and their website looks pretty cool.
1: And I know we have at least one one listener from New York, so I don't know how old he is, but if he can drink, go (laughs) Go for 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 it, it, man. Or at least, you know, tell your parents about it.
2: Yeah.
1: I'm sure they'd like that. Share the knowledge. (laughs) Well, thanks, everyone, for sticking with us this week. We appreciate you, as always. Don't forget, uh, if you have questions about how to – oh, we need our players of the game. What was your play of the game last week?
2: My player of the game from last week was Bradley Chubb. I thought the guy played phenomenal. He wasn't the only one, but he was definitely our one. So I think that he uh, he played really well. So that's my guy.
1: And I'm going to go with Phil Lindsay, even though he's only had nine carries.
2: They were impactful nine carries. They were an
1: impactful nine carries, and and if he had been in there to duplicate any of that, it would have maybe felt a little bit different. Sure. Um, again, thank you guys so much for listening. Please, you know, reach out if you have any questions, if you have any suggestions, comments, or you just want to give us some crap on Twitter. We're totally fine with all that. That's fair. Um, at brew underscore orange. Uh, make sure you uh, are masking <laughs> just banging around over
0: Uh
1: make sure you guys mask up wash your hands wash your hands and go Broncos, go
0: Broncos. with lucky landslots you can get lucky just about anywhere
1: dearly beloved we are gathered here today to has anyone seen the bride and groom
0: sorry sorry we're here we were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time <gasps>